Welcome to the Inspiring Soul Speaker Podcast with David Laws, renowned psychic and spiritual leader. Join David as he shares inspirational and uplifting stories of divine guidance, manifestation and abundance. Share in his path of peace, love and light. Now, Dave, the thing I love about you, you tell a good yarn, right? <laughs> oh, I've been renowned for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I think I've heard this one before about Nana Albert. Yes, my beautiful late great-grandmother, Nana mm. Albert. Uh, do you know, many of you um, perhaps do have, hopefully you still have a beautiful favourite grandparent or great-grandparent or grandparents um, still around and some of you have memories of these lovely, lovely people who formed a part of our early life. And for me, I had the great privilege of being fairly close to my great-grandmother on my mother's side. Um, very sadly, my mum lost her mum when she was only eight years old. Mm. And um, my um, grandmother had passed away, I think, at the age of 36. So obviously I never had the privilege of uh, knowing mum's mother. And mum has very vague recollections of her own mother. But she was essentially raised by her grandmother, mm. who was my great-grandmother. And Nana Allbutt. Um, lived in a tiny little country village by the name of Walland Bean, which is uh, 12 miles east of Cootamundra in central western New South Wales, 12 miles from Cooter. And uh, Walland Bean to this day is a tiny little wheat town. In fact, it's not even really a town. It's a tiny – it's more like a little village. I think there's a there's a pub and a news agent and a general store and, and a post office and that's about it. And a big old main street that's uh, empty with the old, old shops from the 1920s and 30s. And Nana lived in Watson Street, Walland Bean. And I remember back in the 60s as a kid who lived in Shell Harbour, I used to love going up to visit Nana Raw, but for the school holidays or for a long weekend every once in a while. And remember, back in the 1960s, the road from Shell Harbour up to Wallenbean was nothing more than a little two-lane goat track, the old Hume Highway. So it would be nothing to travel, you know, five and a half hours just to get up to this little place. But the thing that I loved about visiting my beautiful late Nana, my great Nan, was the fact that Nana refused to have TV in her house. Mm. She refused television. Guys, can you imagine a house without a television in it today, let alone all the, all the, <laughs> all the mod cons we have today and all the distractions we have with um, all the electronics that exist today? Um, it was such a, a step back in time for me because Nana was born in 1886 and the house that she lived in was built in 1886 wow. as well. And it was just such a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. And it's funny. I mean, maybe we look back at the at the past with rose-coloured glasses, but the thing that I loved about going to see Nana, it was almost like going to visit a character out of a Harry Potter movie because <laughs> she lived in another world Yeah, that was so foreign to me. I was a kid who lived in this, you know, seaside village by the beach and you know, we had TV and noise and distractions, all, you know, family life stuff. But to go and stay with my Nana in this little cosy cottage in the middle of the country that no one had ever heard of was something so special for me. And isn't it funny how smells... And images mm. remain with you for a lifetime. Yeah. My Nana's pantry had this distinct aroma about it that I can still smell to this day. And I'll never ever smell it anywhere else, but I can't even describe what that aroma was. Yeah. And she had this huge big nectarine tree 
right over an old well, an old pumping well, a water well. And it was the first time I'd ever seen, tasted nectarines. And to this day, when I walk into a Woolworth supermarket and I smell a nectarine, I'm in Nan's backyard. Yeah. Right there, instantly. Yeah. Boom, just like that. And my great-grandmother was a wonderful storyteller. And I can remember, I was a flea of a kid. I was a tiny little kid. And I used to sleep with Nana in her huge big feather and down bed, four-poster bed. And she had porcelain potties underneath. Oh, yeah. Because they had an outhouse. Yeah. They didn't have flush toilets back then. Yep. And the outhouse was way down the back of the paddock of her house. You know, she had a rather large property and... Uh, you had to walk out with a flashlight at night if you wanted to go to the toilet. Mm. No such thing as flush toilets, flush toilets back then. So that's why you had potties under mm. the bed. A little, you know, there was a small porcelain potty, a medium-sized one and a larger one. <laughs> and it was so wonderful because I can remember mum and dad would, um, you know, from time to time they'd take me up there and I'd have a little holiday with Nana. And many's a time in her tiny little kitchen – she had a big open fire. She always had this beautiful big wood fire going and she had all the, 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 the kettles and all the pots hanging over and all these big black pots and kettles hanging hanging over. She had an old wood stove in this kitchen that her late husband had installed in 1906 and uh, still working to this day in perfect wow. order. While you hear the story. <laughs> anyway, so um, very sadly my great-grandfather died in the Second World War. So, you know, I never got to meet um, him. But anyway, I used to love staying with Nana because <laughs> mum and dad would often, they'd be in the bedroom down the hallway and I can remember mum would often walk down the hallway brushing her teeth and she said, come on, David, come on, it's getting late, time to get to bed. And Nana would say, oh, it's all right, Margaret, it's all right, love. She said, you and Ronnie get to bed. We'll, we'll, David and I, will, we'll be in bed in a minute. So mum and dad would go to bed, close the door. And Nana used to look at me and she'd scrunch her shoulders up and have a big grin on her face and she says, oh, they've gone to bed. <laughs> now we'll put another log on the fire and I've got to tell you a story. And I thought, oh, wow. So um, she put another log on the fire and the fire would crackle and spit and roar to life again. And she had a tiny little two-seater, um, a little wee, a, um, cane chair, a little lounge, little two-seater cane lounge with cushions and everything else. And, of course, she was sitting there and I'd go, chat, 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 and she'd go, shh. She'd put her finger up to her mouth and go, shh, listen, listen. And I said, what? And she'd go like this and she would, she would pat, pat, her, pat her legs and say, come on, climb up on my legs. So I'd climb up on her legs, I was maybe six or seven at the time, and put my arm around her and say, Nana, chat, chat. And she'd go, shh, listen. And I'd be quiet. And she'd say, look at that fire. Just look at that fire. And I'd look into the fire and she said, you see those two little blue flames in there? And I'd go, yeah. Oh, she said, they were here the other day, you know, and they've come with a message. And I said, oh. What message is that? She said, oh, they're friends of a bloke called Jack Frost. Mm. I said, oh, who's Jack Frost? Oh, love, she said, he lives up the road from here. She said, you know where the bakehouse is? And I said, yeah. She said, you know that old house next door that's all overgrown? And there was an old derelict house there which is still there to this day. <laughs> and I said, yeah. She said, he lives in there. She said, he lives in there. She said... You know what, love? She said, I've taken up tea, I've taken up scones, I've knocked on the door and he won't answer the door. He doesn't come to the door but he only comes out at night. I said, really? Who is he? She said, oh, love, he paints everything white, everything frosty white. And she said, those two little fellas were here the other day and they were here to tell me that Jack's coming out tonight. 
And I said, well, is he coming out tonight? Oh, love, he'll be out tonight. She said, everything in the morning will be painted white. Now, darling, for me, I was a little kid from the coast. We never Mm. had frosts. I didn't know what a frost was. She knew damn well that there was going to be a frost in the morning. So she had to paint a story around it for me (gasps) to make me, you know, to bring in this mesmerise. She knew that I'd be surprised to see everything covered in this ice she said, your mum and dad's car is going to be all white tomorrow. He paints everything white. Oh, wow. So I was quite enamoured with this thought. And the fire would spit and crackle. And I'd have my arm around her. And she'd just sit there with this beautiful voice and just talk about history and talk about her life. And we'd climb into bed. When we finally got to bed, Nan used to always pin her hair up. She never had her hair down. But when, to my shock... She'd pin, unpin her hair before she went to bed and she had this really long grey hair, mm. super long. I thought, wow, look at that. But she used to pin it up through the day, sometimes, you know, with a tiny little cap thing on. And um, anyway, she had a beautiful big grandfather clock in the hallway and often we'd be lying there in bed. Well, I'd, I'd be in bed and she'd be just unpinning her hair and next thing, bang, 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 the clock would strike, strike 11 p.m. And in the distance, I could hear this roar getting louder and louder and louder. She lived right next door to the Great Southern Railway line. Oh. And the spirit of progress or the Southern Aurora passenger trains between Sydney and Melbourne would roar past. And she'd say, oh, there goes the Aurora. She's on time tonight. Yeah, she's not running late tonight. She knew every train, knew Mm. when the trains used to go past. And then she'd climb into bed and she'd tell me stories again. And in the morning, she'd just gently prod me. She said, love, you better wake up. Jack's been. He's <gasps> been everywhere. <laughs> so I'd jump up and she'd pull the curtains back. Well, of course, outside everything's white with frost. It's like, wow, look at this frost. She said, I knew that Jack was coming. She said, his friends told us last night in the fire. And, you know... Some of the most wonderful memories I've got, Bindi, of that time. Her little tiny little house had a little had a little lean to it. The side of it, it was like a, turned into a bathroom, mm. but the bathroom had no electricity in it, and it had no water, no running water. All it had in this room was a beautiful one. You know those big old vintage bathtubs, those old antique bathtubs with yep. the big crocodile feet. Yeah, she had one of those in there, and outside she had a copper. Mm. Now a lot of people probably won't know what a copper is but a copper is a it's like a huge big 44 gallon drum but underneath there's a um, there's a fire a wood fire and on the top it's full of water mm. and that's where you boil the water yeah so she used to pour the water into the top of the copper she would light the fire underneath to heat the water up and then she would pail the water out she's in by this stage she's in her late 80s she'd pail the water out of the copper put it into the bath. She did this a number of times to get enough water into the bath. And then she'd say, love, she said, your bath's ready. So uh, this little flea of a kid would climb into this humongous big bath and I would sit there. And do you know what she used to do? As I sat there and bathed myself, bearing in mind there's no electricity in this room, she would sit at the end of the bath on a on a chair and in one hand she had a candle and the other hand she had a book. Yep. And she would read me a little tale mm. by candlelight. And I was just sitting there listening to this story. And this was such a simple time and such a beautiful time and she knew how to fire a kid's imagination. Mm. And I just, to this day, I, like, I mean, I turned 60 in a few months' time and I think, 
I'm I'm just there as I sit here and speak about it. I recall it like it was yesterday, you yeah. know, and it was over half a century ago, and yet it's just as real as it was yesterday. And I, I just I just can't believe you know the wonderful memories I have you know of that time. Now let me tell you something crazy. We talk about how fate works here. Mm. Uh, very sadly, you know, Nan passed away just a week or two shy uh, short of her ninetieth birthday in nineteen. Um, 1976. Anyway, um, I was uh, 16 at the time when Nan passed and that was sad. And once Nan passed, I had never, ever been to house house again, obviously. Mm. Well, do you know, around about, what was it, five years ago, six years ago? About six years, five years ago, my sister and I decided to um, take mum and dad on a bit of an adventure. So we put them into our back of a car and I said to them, you know what we should do? I said, we should do a one-week road trip why don't we travel around all New South Wales to all the towns we used to live in, visit all the old houses where we used to live, take photos and knock on doors of people who haven't seen in years. And they went, yay, let's do that. So we did. So my sister and I took turns in driving. Mum and Dad sat in the back and just enjoyed the trip. And we went out to Cootamundra and mm. we stayed with Mum's cousin, sorry, with Mum's cousin, Joan, and her husband, Len, who owned a large cattle station out there. Anyway... Um, just outside of Wallen Bean. Uh, this particular night, Joan just happened to say, what are you guys planning to do tomorrow? And mum said, well, you know, we're going to head down, back down to Wollongong, but David just wants to pop in to get a photo of Nana's old house. And uh, because Nan was also um, Joan's grandmother. And she said, oh, she said, as a matter of fact, I think I know the lady who owns the house. I'll see if I can give her a ring and you might be able to have a look in the yard. I went, oh, my God, that'd be lovely. I was so excited and I said to Mum, I just can't wait to get back to Nana's house and just take a photo of the house. So anyway, Joan rang this lady and the lady said, yes, yes, tell your friends to, uh, tell your family to pop in. She said, come down at 10 o'clock in the morning and yeah, I'll show you around. My God, you won't believe what happened. The next morning, we pulled up out the front and I was sitting in the passenger seat and it was a glorious blue sky day. And I got out and I had tears in my eyes because suddenly I was 16 years old and I thought the last time I was here was 1976 and I was still in high school. Mm. I actually, just, no, sorry, just finished school. And it's like, oh, wow, here I am. Well, the lady came out to greet us and she walked out the front gate. She took one look at me and said, David, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, 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 oh Rhonda, oh, my God, are you kidding Rhonda and her husband Jeff were my old next-door neighbours in Sydney <laughs> and they bought my great-grandmother's house in the middle of the country. We hadn't seen each other for 17 years and we just ran up and I hugged her and she hugged me and mum and dad went, what the hell? My sister went, what the hell? And she said, what the hell? What are you doing here? I said, honey, this was our great-grandmother's house. She said, are you serious? I said, I didn't even know you'd left Sydney because we left before they did. She yeah. said, yeah, we were just sick and tired of Sydney. We wanted to find a little country cottage in a nondescript little country place that no one had ever heard of and we found this place for sale. And I said, I can't believe it's you. She said, come on in. So we walked into the house. Oh, my God, it was exactly like the day Nan had left it. Wow. There's not barely anything had changed. It was such a, a wonderful uh, walk down memory lane, but the weird thing was the house seemed so tiny. Yeah. Where when I was a kid it was big, yeah. but now the hallways were small and tiny because I'm a fully grown adult now. Funny that, huh? Yeah. But I walked into the kitchen and as I stood there, the stories, the fire, mm. the, those late nights, the Jack Frost stories around the fire, it was just there. And I thought, you know, the last time 
uh, I was here, you know, it was 1976, the last time I stood in this room. It's like my whole life, it was like another lifetime. It's like, it was almost like stepping back into a past life. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Well, I think I can see where you got your imagination and your storytelling <laughs> from. Absolutely, honey. Absolutely. And, you know, our life is interspersed with so many great people and, you know, opportunities to create great memories. And um, I'm on the brink of becoming a grandparent myself very mm. shortly. My beautiful daughter and son-in-law are expecting their first child in um, three months' time. So I'm just thinking to myself, my gosh, what what the things that I hope to bring to the table as far as storytelling and firing my beautiful grandchild's imagination and and hopefully in many, many, many years to come they will recall their grandfather with great love and fondness and his ability to tell stories and fire their imagination. And uh, I just think it's it's a wonderful thing to do. And I mean, it was something that I uh, instilled with my daughter, you know, telling her a few stories here and there. And I remember <laughs> telling her a story about a witch called Wapiti Story who lived, <laughs> who lived at the back of our house... Um, who had a cat that could speak and uh, <laughs> and the cat used to sit on the fence and tell us stories about her owner and she was enthralled with this and I'd say every now and again she makes all these really weird stews but they, they're magic stews and they do magic things to your life but the cat will let you know when, you know, she'll say, no, no, mum's not home. But she, I said, honey was a talking cat. You know, she was maybe four or five at the time. Well, to this day... She says to me, Dad, do you remember Wapiti's story? She remembers the witch's name. I said, oh, oh wow. my God. She said, well, yeah, you and Courtney is her cousin. They're like sisters. She, she said, you, and they're the same age. She said, you used to sit Courtney and I down, down and tell us all these stories about Wapiti's story, this mystery witch. She lived at the back of your house and she had a talking cat. She just recalled all the details. I think, my God. So, again, to our beautiful listeners out there, guys, you know what? If you have little ones in your life, be they your children or your grandchildren or indeed your great-grandchildren, you know, we have opportunities to instill some wonderful memories with them. You know, we are so overloaded these days with, you know, with we've got access to so many, we've got Netflix, we've got YouTube, we've got uh, iPhones, we've got iPads, we've got games, we've got all these electronic, I call them, well, devices but sometimes they can be referred to as major distractions to us i mean some of them serve great purposes and we've got the opportunity to tune in into things like youtube and learn lots of good stuff from them so i'm not disputing their effectiveness but the good old-fashioned art of storytelling is something that is just such an important thing in our life and you know what I've got to tell you that as Bindi mentioned a minute ago when we started, she said, you've got a reputation for <laughs> telling a yarn. Well, you know the crazy thing is I can remember sitting at school and the teacher would come out and tell us a story. She'd read a storybook. As, yeah. Right? Yeah. Kids sit there and go, wow, because fire the kid's imagination. Well, you know what? Adults are no different mm. because adults love a good yarn as well. Yeah. They love a good story. It's like a wow. And how many times can you sit down and listen to a good orator or good some, somebody who can sit there and just write a story and tell a story and, and I just get enamoured with that, you know. I think it's so important, like you say, for us to dream and to to actually leave that legacy as well and, and pa- pass the baton forward like, like oh. you're going to do with Yes. And so the the many generations that story will span, I think that is just, oh, I know. it's incredible. It is, honey, and I think that's the thing. It's just, I mean, gosh, Nana's been long past now and it's been, 
what, 44 years this year that she will have passed. And uh, uh, and I, as I said, I, I still recall those, those memories and the, and the many stories that, that she shared with me all that time ago. And yet, you know, um, it's something, I mean, I will tell those stories to, to my little ones that, that are coming through, the first one due soon. And uh, and at the end of the day, it's that's what that's the footprint that you hope you leave behind in in that positive way, you know. So yeah. Oh, we miss you, Nana. I know, my <laughs> darling Nana. All but guess what her name was. Oh, it's it's really huge. Tell us, <laughs> tell us. Mary Puxty Louisa Boxall Georgina Yeoman Fawkes. How about that, guys? How's How that you for fit a that name? That on an envelope. Well, you don't because I remember. <laughs> I remember when. Uh, when Nan passed away, I think Mum had to fill out all the funeral details and she said to the funeral director, um, my grandmother's name is very long. And he said, okay, fire away. And <laughs> Mum said, Mary, Puxty, uh, Louisa. And he said, and uh, when was she born? Mum said, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> Mary, Puxty, Louisa, Vauxhall, Georgie. And he went, what? So in the end he just put Mary, Puxty and he put initial, 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 initial. Oh, really? <laughs> he couldn't fit it in the box. <laughs> So I, I never forget that, and um, and apparently, you know, back in the eighteen hundreds, it was common for for ladies to have to be given a Christian name, mm. then their mother's maiden name, then yep. their mother's Christian name, and then their grandmothers, and so forth and so forth, back so many generations. So, yeah, just uh, just wonderful stuff indeed. That happened with my grandma too, because like she was known as Ev and or Evelyn, and um, I, I still remember when we we did her headstone, and it was Evelyn Edith Alice Nutley. Oh, wow. So, again, it was taking the generation That's right. Before. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. That was a common thing for them to do back then. Yeah. But um, but just getting back to the kitchen before I forget because that's what prompted me to remind uh, myself to tell you. When we stood in the kitchen that day, there was the wood fire stove. Yeah. And I said to Rhonda, I said, oh, my God, the stove's still there. She said, guess what, honey? I said, what? She said, that stove works perfectly like the day that it was built. I went, are you still using it? She said, yep. She said, Jeff and I have installed an oven in the main part of the kitchen just for normal food, not for normal oven use. This wood fire oven cooks bread and biscuit, um, uh, cakes like nothing I've yeah. ever used in my life and it's just perfect because she makes all her own bread. She said, David, it is just superb. And that was installed in 1906 and still works perfectly to this day. <sighs> And it's 2020 now. 2020. <laughs> so, you know, we're going back how, 124 years. Whoa. You know, 124-year-old oven. I mean, these ovens today are lucky to work, work, to last 124 months. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, but um, – and again, it's just that, that simple that – simple country life and that simple country way that, that life was back then, that, that simpler time and – Back in those, um, you know, just back in those those wonderful days. Just mm. another example of these stories that build up the human you are. I know, darling, I know. And it's funny, um, uh, mum's cousin, Uncle Tom, who was Nan's um, other son, um, he lived on a property just outside of Wallenbean and I, I used to say to mum, oh, can we go up to see Uncle Tom because he'd take me for a ride on his tractor. Yeah. And do you know what my nickname was? Joe Frog. Joe Frog. Joe Frog. And Tom, Uncle Tom was a big, tall man with a big hat and he always had a pipe. He said, Joe Frog's here. Joe, Joe Frog. Ah, Joe Frog, you want to go for a ride on the tractor? So I'm like, yes, Uncle Tom. <laughs> oh, come on, Joe Frog. So Joe Frog. So I was Joe Frog and that was my nickname and I used to go out and he'd rack the tractor out and I'd 
this little kid would climb up. He had a little seat there and off we go on the tractor and he <laughs> had the pipe out the mouth and the hat and my, my uh, grandfather and my aunt, who I would often travel up with, they'd sit there with big grins on their faces and look at this thing, you know, like this big tractor thing going along <laughs> and Joe Frog, I'll never forget. And he was another great storyteller. But I'll just never forget the nickname I had back then was Joe Frog. Why did they a, call you Joe Frog? I don't know. It was just a name that, yeah, he said Joe Frog. <laughs> you want to jump up to, on everything? Yeah, I know. Just, <laughs> yeah, maybe. And I used to – and my aunt, my beautiful late aunt – Always always had a brand new VW Beetle. Mm-hmm. Every couple of years she'd buy a new Beetle and we had her new white Beetle and, um, you know, we'd, we'd pull up in the, in the on on their farm and hop out and he'd, he'd look at us and say, ah, Joe Frog's here. He's <laughs> Joe Frog. I'll never forget it. It was just such a – it was things that stick in your mind and, you th- and that, that that tractor ride, you know, and that was Nana's um, uh, son. I mean, Uncle Tom passed over God back in 78 so he only died two years after his mum. Of a massive heart attack, but uh, yeah, it's another story. You know? Isn't it funny the things we remember about people, like the little things that we mm. remember mm. from way back then? Like you mm. were talking about, um, I think you were saying it was your, your grandparents or um, your uncle smoking a pipe. No, oh, yes, my like, grandfather. Yeah, um, my pop used to smoke a pipe. It's the only thing I can remember about him. Yeah. Other than he'd always have the hat. Yeah, and the pipe. That's it. And he'd always come and he put 50 cents in your hand. Oh, really? And that's was what I remember. Like I, he died when I was fairly yeah. young. Yeah. But it's those similarities. I know. I know. And again from that era, well, mum would often say to Nana, she said, Nan, um, do you want to come into town, like into Cootamundra? Mm. Oh, all right, love, but you, you better wait till I get ready. Well... Nan's getting ready was a hat and gloves. Yeah. She refused to leave the house. If she was going into town, one had to have hats and gloves on and some lipstick. Yeah. She was a country woman to the heart, but she would not be seen dead in the main street of yeah. Kutamundra without gloves and a hat. And if there's no gloves or hat, you're not getting out of the car. I just remember that. Isn't it amazing? Like my grandma was the same, not the gloves and hat, but the mm. lippy for sure. Yeah. Like your hair can be all over the place. Put the lippy on. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, the gloves. But even then, she I mean, she wasn't dressed to the nines. It was just simple yeah. country attire, but just had the little gloves on. Yeah. Just the little gloves and the hat, just like you just got to look nice for town. It's like if you're going to town, you know, you're the same. Well, you, you really went to town. You yeah. Know? That's where the same It was a from. real you event really for town. them, wasn't it? It was an event. It was an event. It was an event to go to town, particularly in the city. Like if you went to the city, you mm. wouldn't be seen dead without your hat and gloves. I mean, you've only got to go back to old film footage of the mm. 40s, 50s and 60s even of all the big cities and everyone's doing hats and gloves and coats and proper. Yeah. I miss that. You know, I'm going to say I miss it. I just think that was such a beautiful era of properness and, you know, it's just so changed now. It's not like that anymore. No, it's not. And, well, as you will know, honey, I've got a – for some of you may know, some, and some of you certainly don't know, but I've got a beautiful 1949 vintage car, 1949 Riley Sports Saloon, and many of you won't know what that is, but I've just – the only reason I'm telling you that – I climb into my beautiful old Riley that was hand-built in 1949 and honestly, I feel like I'm stepping back into 1949 Mm. when I drive it along and when I drive down the street, people just whiz past me and I'm in 1949. (laughs) I've got Glenn Miller music playing just quietly in the background. It's like, oh God, I love this era. I just love the the properness and the the quality and things being built to last, Mm. you know, unlike today we just live in such a throwaway society and... 
things are built and created to be obsolete. They're designed to be obsolete, to be tossed away, to be used again, but um, not this gorgeous old girl. No. So, no, it's just uh, it's a beautiful memory that, uh, that I have and I'm very nostalgic and I love I love history and I have a real appreciation for things that are handcrafted and handmade and, and built to last a lifetime and that's one of the things. But I never forget something mum and dad taught us kids. I'll never forget. I remember dad said to me at one stage or said to us at one stage, he said, I want you to remember something, kids. He said, you know, one thing will never go out of fashion and that is respect and manners. Mm. They never go out of fashion. He said, and you have to remember that manners and respect will open more doors and impress more people than money and intellect alone ever, ever will. I've never forgotten that. Amen. Never forgotten that. Wow. And that's something, it's an adage that I live by to this day. It's like, you know, respect and manners. Because do you know what? When you show the respect and the manners to someone, it stands out. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something that happened to me last year. I could not believe this. I live down in Surface Paradise, just a, you know, across the road from the beach. And one day I was down on the beach and just grabbing a coffee and a paper and um, I lined up at this little coffee shop and there was a young kid standing in front of me. He must have been about nine or ten years of age. And he was standing there and I walked up and the lady came around and she said, now who's first? This little kid turned around to me and he put his hand out like this and he said, excuse me, sir, are you being served? Wow. And I said, excuse me? Did you call me sir and did you ask me am I being served? I said, no, you were here before me. He said, oh, I wasn't quite sure whether I bumped in or pushed in. I said, no, young man, you're first. So anyway, he placed his order with the lady and I patted him on the shoulder. And I said, young man, I want to thank you and commend you for that beautiful, beautiful compliment, that lovely manners, those manners that I've just seen you display. And he looked rather shocked. He said, oh, okay, thanks. And I said, mate, where are your mum and dad? He said, oh, they're over there on the beach. I thought, oh, damn, because if they were nearby, I would have walked over to them and shook their hand and congratulated yeah. them on raising their young boy, which you just don't see anymore. He probably 10 years would have, ten years old would have pulled him up, probably nine or ten years of age, and he just put his hand out and said, excuse me, sir, are you being served? It's like, oh, what era are you from? You know, mm. like, beautiful. Yeah. You know, and see, there you go, and just impress the hell out of him. And here I am telling you the story. That's how much it creates an impact with some people. Yeah, that's all it takes. That's yeah. all it takes. But, yeah, a little bit of a trip down memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> see, how we, see how we roll, guys? We just <laughs> roll from one sub- subject to another and all these little bits of magic come through, hopefully. Yes, more side stories to come. More side <laughs> stories to come. That's it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Soul Speaker podcast. For more information about David's work, visit inspiringsoulspeaker.com.